This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new episode of Mercado and Manning, Media Week's weekly television podcast. I'm James Manning. My co-host is Andrew Mercado. Andrew, there's um, some interesting Australian comedies we'll start off the show talking about. Then we, we're going to delve into the English, uh, a Western. I can't believe there's a, there's a new Western around. Um, I'm going to chat about Dangerous Liaisons and Yellowstone. You've got some great viewing recommendations a little later in the show. But let's yep. first look at that um, the, the Australian content coming up. Now, Seven have – looks like they might be getting back into the roast format. Yeah, I'm really, really pumped for this. Uh, so they're doing the roast of Paul Hogan Tuesday night on 7. Uh, it looks like Shane Jacobson was the guy behind it. Of course, he's made a couple of movies with Paul Hogan. Um, they're great mates now. But it's a really interesting uh, group of people that get up there to roast Hogs. And, you know, James, I've realised now that the TV roast is actually the best format around right now to prove that political correctness has not killed comedy. I mean, where else have you got a format where you're supposedly playing homage to a big star by insulting him all night <laughs> and everybody who chooses to participate in this roast is also fair game because everyone gets up to the microphone and then says, oh, look at Carrie Ann Kenley sitting over there and sings the boot into her. I just think that everyone involved in this is really brave. I think it's really funny. And, you know, for Seven, I think some of the gags are really dangerous and very edgy. And I love that Paul Hogan's got such a great sense of humour about it all, even as they're making jokes about his facelifts, his marriages, <laughs> how much they all hate the Crocodile Dundee sequels and Almost an Angel. They just give it to him all night and then he gets up at the end and gives it right back. I loved the roast of Paul Hogan. Yeah, I've got to say, look, I wasn't into it as much as you were. I'm a big fan of the format. I love it. I was trying to think Channel 9 did one a couple of decades ago, but I can't remember who they roasted. Oh, well, because was, you it someone like, to... was it like Brian Henderson or somebody? Yeah. I just can't no, remember. It's, it's worse. And I remember him. Merrick and Rosso were there, and I've got a feeling Kerry Packer was in the audience. Okay, well, I don't remember that one, but I do remember the really shameful roast of Molly Meldrum where people got up and said the most horrendously inappropriate gay things about Molly all night long in front of his family. He was really upset about it. He stormed out afterwards. They had to heavily edit it because some of the jokes went way beyond the pale of this format. Uh, so, yeah, that the, the, they were scared off that roast because of the disaster that was the Molly roast. Uh, okay. But I think Paul Hogan's a great choice to kind of bring it back because I thought what's really, really interesting in this is that they – acknowledge that not every skit in the Paul Hogan show would fly muster today. I mean, Paul <laughs> Hogan was never a nasty comedian, but I must admit one of the biggest laughs I got was when Alex Lee said, you know, oh, Hogs, he did so much for women in comedy in the 70s. I mean, he'd write a skit with a girl in a bikini in a caravan park and then a girl in a bikini cutting the lawn. And then just to prove that he was moving with the times, Paul Hogan then wrote a skit with 
two girls in bikinis mowing the lawn and all that. I mean, it's great, isn't it? We're actually acknowledging the past but being really funny and clever about it. And that's what I think is so great about this show. Yeah, well, I'd like to see this to develop as a series. In the US, uh, Comedy Central have a fairly regular uh, comedy roast. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, well, they, they haven't been too many lately, but they they did nearly one or two a year there for a while. Some of the yeah. people who did it, um, Rob Lowe did one, Alec Baldwin did one. Um, yep. But Donald Trump even did one in 2011. He did. I would, he did. I would love to see that one again. I mean, the roast is a great American TV tradition. I mean, it started off with the Friars Club and then there was a show on NBC that did it. But Dean Martin really took it to the next level when he did all those incredible celebrity roasts. uh, And a lot of them are available on YouTube. And you have Don Rickles and Phyllis Diller and all of these people being roasted. And, uh, yeah, it's a great format. I love it. Yeah, the um, and some of the roasters that you don't need to be a big A-list star to be a good celebrity roaster. You know, there's no there's people in the US who almost um made a bit of a career out of it. You know, who who just did really well. Um, that is so true. Um, I mean, and we like people like Tom Arnold, who yeah. you know, who was on a couple. I think um. Whitney Cummings, who was um, who's an American comedian. Uh, Pete Davidson's done a couple. Um, Andy Dick and Don Rickles were both being guests on them. Yeah. Um, Snoop Dogg has turned up on a few of them. <laughs> he has. Uh, it's it's amazing. Um, Jeg, Greg Giraldo did a lot of them yeah. um, back in the day. Um, so there's just been a really sort of a Jimmy Kimmel maybe before he was sort of the big star he is now, used to be on it pretty regularly. Jeff Ross is probably the most famous um, person who made a career out of it in the the US. He was sort of the must-have roaster for a long time. Yeah, and look, um, a shout-out to all the Aussies who are in the host of Paul Hogan. I think all of them do a great job. Steve Vizard opens the show. Well, I don't think I've ever laughed so hard at Steve Vizard. And then they say the most appalling things about him through the rest <laughs> of the show. You know, Carrie Ann, Ernie Dingo, Christy Whelan-Brown, uh, Troy Kinney. I mean, the list just goes on and on, and it, it to me, it's just one banger after another. You know, I really thought everyone did a great, great job on this. And I hope they all had a great time doing it because I sure as hell had a great time watching it. Yeah. Okay. The um, You, you mentioned the guests. I mean, yeah, Steve Weiser, there was um, the, the best gag about Steve. Somebody oh. called him a bloated Jeremy Clarkson. <laughs> what about what, what Christy Whelan-Brown said? I've seen bloated corpses pulled out of Port Phillip Bay that look better than you. I mean, wow. That's just, there's a few times in it actually where you catch the reaction on people's faces and they're going, you haven't just said that. Sean McAuliffe too. Let's give a shout out to Sean McAuliffe. His, uh, his explanation of what the Crocodile Dundee movies are about <laughs> is going to be an all-time classic. It just, He goes through those movies one by one through all the sequels and it just gets funnier and funnier and funnier. Yeah. the um, Having Miley Hogan was quite clever too. She's 
uh, Paul's granddaughter and she works yeah. as a seven reporter. She was pretty funny, I thought, too. Yeah, that was cool. Um, the the other thing I wanted to mention, now I think it's hosted by Shane Jacobson. Yeah. And look, that, that guy, he's just got the best agent, I tell you. They hardly uh, make a show these days that Shane Jacobson's not in, whether it's a reality show, a comedy show, a drama. That the guy can do anything now. I think it's his company uh, it did the too. production of this for Seven. Yeah, I Ocean, think so. Ocean View Entertainment. Yeah, so you know Shane Jacobson, if you're listening, like do more. <laughs> you know, find people with a good sense of humour, and uh, this is a format that. And you know, it's uh, it's clever. It's something that can just be dropped into the schedule at any point. I mean, Seven could program more roast in the way that they've been programming their "This Is Your Life" specials. I note that Colin Vickery uh, pointed out on Twitter, and he's spot on that Seven have used. This is your life to successfully demolish both of the new reality shows that 10 tried to launch. First off, the traders and then the challenge. On night one, seven programmed This Is Your Life against them and killed those shows from night one. So there there is room um to have a few of these sitting on your shelf. Yeah. Um couple of couple of other things. The 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 initial problems I had with this, I thought it was going to be too safe and it wouldn't be edgy enough. And I think, look, if you in to look at it from the network's point of view, they're maybe introducing the format to an audience not familiar with it. Because so I think they said a couple of times they explained, look, these they are do. jokes. We're yeah, not they really, say that. We're not really having a go at these people, yeah. which they'd never do in the US one because everybody no. understands that. So I guess they were they were trying to do that here. Yeah, the, other, so. the other weird thing was Tom Gleeson obviously oh, <laughs> was concerned right. he might have had COVID, yeah. so he wasn't able to sit on the stage with everybody else. He was in a special room by himself yeah. um, and what contributing... And given what he says about everybody else, I understand why he went to a separate room and probably fled the resort afterwards. Pretty funny yeah. stuff. Yeah, no, he was very good, wasn't he? And and I yeah. get and when you hear him, you understand what you say then about seven were very brave to put all that stuff to air unedited. Yeah, um, they were. We watched a preview. Hopefully it'll still be unedited oh, when, let's it, hope when it's so. brought broadcast but he was very funny his comments about seven um yeah. about shane jacobson and and <laughs> the sort of the tv industry it was very funny stuff i'm gonna watch it again james i have <laughs> to watch it again i could reel off a few of my favorite gags now but honestly i was here with a friend and we we're laughing so much i maybe missed a couple so i'm gonna watch it again when it goes live to air on tuesday night that's how much i liked it yeah, I mean, it, it really was pretty safe. You think of some of the rude gags they have in the US one, and wow, they just, they do not hold back, you know. It's no. just, um, you could see here a few people grimaced at times when they're thinking, wow, this oh, is going yeah. up. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can see it's written all over their faces. They're trying to be cool, but every now and then you see someone going, wow, that was, that was really, really pissed me, that gag. <laughs> Yeah, especially some of Tom Gleason stuff. So, yeah, watch out for that. Uh, it's coming November 22, um, the roast of Paul Hogan. It'll be on 7, but if you miss it, you'll be able to catch it on 7+, plus, no doubt. Now, talk to me briefly about Kath and Kim. 
Well, uh, it's going to cap off a great week of Australian comedy for Seven because whilst they got Hoags on a Tuesday night, Sunday and Monday is two brand new Kath and Kim specials. It's Our Effluent Life on Sunday, 20 Preposterous Years on Monday. Um, They're both only an hour long. Both Gina Riley and Jane Turner have said, this is it. (laughs) No more Kath and Kim. You know, so we've got to take this as it is. There's no previews. You and I haven't seen it. I can't wait to watch it. Uh, There's not going to be a lot of new material there. There's going to be a lot of reminiscences and uh, big-name stars and old footage and bloopers. So it'll be those types of retrospective and uh, retrospective-type specials. But there is going to be some new skits uh, with them all in character, and I'm expecting social media to play a big part in this because as you and I have discussed a few times, the one thing that hadn't happened in those original series of Kath and Kim was nobody was on social media uh, like they are today. And I just know that uh, Kim is going to be obsessed with TikTok and Instagram and I can't wait to see it. So (laughs) Kath and Kim, Sunday and Monday night, I am so, so excited about it. Okay, now look, I wanted to give you just a, a little quick um, programming update on what I've been watching, Andrew. Now, I we talked about the Crown last week. I managed yep. to, to to binge it all pretty quickly in the first couple of days, but we'll revisit that maybe next week, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about it. We yeah, we're I sort got a bit of, to go. Yeah, yeah. So I was a, I was a big fan. You were a little bit on the on the borderline. You weren't quite 100% behind it, but we'll discuss that next week. And I okay. finally watched the um, last half of The Serpent Queen. That's that. I I started it. We talked about it maybe a month or so ago. Uh, yep. But, gee whiz, I really enjoyed these um, that last half, but, and I'd look strongly recommend this. Uh, Samantha Morton playing uh, Catherine, the Queen of France. Um, she was only in the sort of... Um, a, a, a leading the the country from 1547 for 12 years, but it's really fascinating the the politicking how she got there, and it, it was just really intriguing. Um, yeah. At the end of it. again, I'm assuming that there's um it's vaguely historically accurate, um, and that's a debate we can have about the crown next week maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but so yeah, that was that one, the Serpent Queen on stand. Watch out on for Stan. that. Yep. Yeah. Now. This other one, it sort of is historical drama, The English, which yep. is uh, turned up on um, Prime Video, and we've both watched a few episodes of that. I think there's six episodes in all. Yeah, wow. So this is Emily Blunt. You know, what I love about it, I'm not a Westerns guy, James. You know, I know there's lots of guys out there that sit there with Fox Classics on <laughs> watching Gunsmoke and talking, waiting to see the next John Wayne movie, but I've it's been a genre I've never, ever been into. I do, I am really impressed, though, by what are these new modern Westerns that probably aren't going to resonate with these old blokes because, you know, they're, they're looking at Westerns from a different perspective, and that's the perspective of women and the Native Americans. And this, the English puts a an English woman played by the wonderful Emily Blunt uh, front and 
centre with a Native American, kind of a guy who's got a foot in both camps. Uh, the local uh, Native population say to him, oh, you're a white man. Um, but, of course, he suffers racism uh, when he works in the white world. So these two end up uh, on this tour. And along the way, they encounter a lot of nasty, horrible men, as based on the first two episodes I've seen. But I tell you what, James, isn't it so incredible that they're making this show in Spain? And when we think <laughs> back of all those greats, and we called them spaghetti westerns because they were being filmed in uh, European places like Italy and Spain and all these places doubling for the wild, wild west. You don't necessarily need to be in America to make this type of show. Yeah, yeah, no, just indeed, indeed, yeah, yeah. I, I was intrigued that when I I saw it too that it was actually filmed in Spain. Um, look, I'm a big Emily Blunt fan. I love her work, yep. so it was great seeing her in it. What it was very different role for her, really. Um, it's just fantastic. I'm a big fan of Tom Hughes as well, who um plays Thomas Trafford in this. Um, yep. I I loved him in Victoria where he was played Prince Albert. He was in the game I talked about recently, about a six-year-old, eight-year-old series, a, a British spy thing that was on the ABC recently. He co-starred with Brian Cox. So look, there's also um, Stephen uh, Stephen uh, is it Ree Stephen Ree? Yes, Rhea? Stephen uh, Ray Stephen Ree from um, you know, and it's funny, isn't it? Because when I saw him in the show, I was like, wow, wow, that's that. English actor, that can't be who I think it is because this is an American Western. It was only after the fact that I suddenly went, oh, no, hang on a second, that absolutely was Stephen Ray. Um, what was that great film he made that was The sh the Crying Game? That's, yeah, you know, his yeah. film. And it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Rafe Spall's also in this in a couple of episodes. So, yeah, look, it's uh, I'm about halfway Toby through Jones it. Jones is there. Yep. Yeah. There's a, yep. there's a bunch of uh, English actors in this. Yeah, Toby Jones, I think, is the um, stagecoach driver in, yeah, the, he is. in the first episode. There's some just – but you're right, just the way it's – the art direction and the cinematography, and it's just wonderful. It's just, wonderful. It's, all, it's just really cleverly done, isn't and it? And the music, even it's oh, so yeah, evocative yeah. of those sort of Clint Eastwood movies from the sixties, where it, just the sound of it, you go, "Oh, I know exactly what they're trying to recreate here." Yeah. Okay. So that's the English. Look out for that on um, Amazon Prime. I've, I, I'm a big fan. I think it's really good. Look, another period drama also set in France, um, but probably a couple of hundred years almost after The Serpent Queen is yeah. Dangerous Liaisons, yep. which has turned up on Stan. Wow. I think Every I generation gets a version of that, James. This is one of those shows like, you know, Les Miserables that they're just always, always remaking it because there's always a new generation to tell this quite classic story too. Yeah, absolutely. I think I mentioned last week that Leslie Manville is in this, which is one of the reasons I, I was intrigued to see it. Um, she plays an old, well, she's an older woman, um, has in, having an affair with a young guy who is, makes it a bit of a habit of um, being in dangerous liaisons, if you like, with um, different women around yeah. Paris um, a couple of hundred years ago. The other thing that intrigued me was 
Alice um, Anglet. I think that's that pronounced the name Alice Anglet. Yeah. Now I couldn't quite. I knew. I said, "Oh, look, I know the name. I wasn't sure who she was, but I, Jane Campion's daughter. Oh, um, who was in? Oh, what was the um, top of the lake? Top of the lake. Yeah. 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 Um, had a role in that um, a couple of years ago. So um, it was. Um, she's really the lead character in this. Um, plays. Um, a French lady who who thinks she's the love of the love of her life is this young bloke who's also having dangerous liaisons with other women, and yeah. just seeing how um, she comes to the realization of what he's doing with her. It's this guy called Nicholas Denton who plays um, her lover, and how she comes to grips with what he's getting up to um, in his sort of other lives, if you like. I mean, Dangerous Liaison, also really well known for actually they set the story uh, in today's time, what was back in 1999, but that movie Cruel Intentions with Reese Witherspoon, oh, okay. Sarah Michelle Gellar and Ryan Felipe, that was Dangerous Liaisons. That's what I mean, this classic story of... Uh, you know this couple scheming to see if they can, if the if the the man can get a girl to fall in love with him, and it's all just done for a bet. I mean, it's been done a lot of times. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this new adaptation does it. Yeah, and um, Alice was also in the Power of the Dog too, had a role in that as well. So yeah. uh, she's worked a lot with the mum as well as um, forging her own career separately uh, away from. Um, stuff directed by her mother. Um, another big premiere this week was Yellowstone. Yeah, right. Um, and look, I've never watched Yellowstone before. I might have mentioned last week I I saw one episode. I gave myself a refresher the last episode <laughs> of season four. Um, I'm lucky I've been watching it with someone who's obsessed and yep. so it helps to ask questions. I can go, yep. oh, is that a family member? What's the relationship between those two characters? <laughs> so that sort of fast-tracked my knowledge a little bit. But um, watching the first two episodes of the new season, and it's on Stan, um, there's been lots of spin-offs which Stan won't be able to have because it yep. lost the deal with um, uh, Viacom CBS, as it was now Paramount, which sort of develops the series, but because Stan had it before, while they had the deal with Paramount, they get the run of series, so they'll have it till in perpetuity. But whereas all the spin-offs will go to Paramount Plus now in yeah. Australia. But look, it was huge. There was so much um, anticipation of this new season. Didn't premiere, I think it was 9 p.m. on uh, Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday night. What was it? I think it was yeah, nine PM Monday night, which I thought was a very weird time. But well, I suspect go. that's because it has a plum prime time slot in America on Sunday night, and we get it just afterwards. And the ratings for it this year on US TV were the best it's ever had. It's one of those shows like Game of Thrones where it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger because what happens is after it goes off the air, there's such an amazing word of mouth about it. All these new people start watching it and become fans, and every time a new season premieres, it's got more fans than before. So 
I would suggest to you that it might be the biggest American drama on TV right now. Continuing, yeah, I got, I got a feeling you're right. I mean, there's, there's lots. Um, Kevin Costner. I mean, he, there was never a bigger movie star, was there? I don't know, twenty, thirty years ago. Yeah, yeah. He, he was in all the big movies, right? And he's sort of re, re, sort of what's the word? Re, um, re-energized himself. Re-energized, yeah. Re, been reborn. As yeah. almost the hottest actor on TV now, it's, yeah, it's incredible, yeah. you know. And I guess he's really been the driver of this whole um, this whole Yellowstone phenomenon, if you like. He plays John Dutton, a, a Montana rancher, head of a family, he got a massive ranch in uh, Montana, uh, and in this new series, he's elected governor of the state, so it takes wow. him into a whole, whole new area, and That's his clever. big. His big adversary in this is, believe it or not, Jackie Weaver. I know, amazing, (laughs) amazing. You know, all this reminds me of Dallas back in the day, James. You know, another big sprawling saga that everyone in the world was watching and the show just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And, again, we have a star there who's filming. He was the biggest film star in the world and then he wasn't. He had a few flops like Westworld, uh, Waterworld, and it derailed his career. But TV's always there as an option. You can still take your star power to TV and make it work in a different way, and Kevin Costner has done that really well. Yeah, he certainly has. So it's just a massive juggernaut. And, yeah, just uh, see Jackie Weaver. I mean, we've talked before about her career, the the edgy Australian independent movie she was making in the 70s, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and now, which a lot of them turned out to be quite, strong at the box office as well. They weren't obscurities. Some of them were. But I'm thinking of things like Stork, um, the Alvin Purple movies. I think yeah. she was Peterson in. Peterson with Jack Thompson yeah, Peterson, by David yeah. Williamson. Yeah, These are great, know. great movies, you know. Yeah, and then she's transitioned into this amazing movie and now TV career in the US. Yeah, yeah uh, she's it's had just a- amazing. Yeah, she's had a she's she's got a great history of appearing in good Australian movies and TV series, and then she made that movie Animal Kingdom, and Hollywood yep. has never stopped hiring her for roles since. Thank God yeah. they noticed her in that film. You know, it's just all about timing, you know. Uh, and we've so we've kind of lost it to America, but she still comes back here um, and still makes Australian projects. She's an absolute. She's a dead set legend, Jackie Weaver. Yeah, no, absolutely. And if if you can't quite tell from my tone, I've become a bit of a Yellowstone fan, I think, you know. <laughs> I, will I go back and watch the first four seasons? In theory, I'd like to, but time's going to be a problem there. But I'll certainly stick with it going forward. And and, I, and I'll, I'll draw on your TV expertise here, Andrew. As a newcomer, I think... One moment I'm watching the worst acting on television, but the next I think, well, actually, they're very good. Yeah. So and you know, yeah. and it's and it's I mean it's a it's a soap opera as much as a drama, it is isn't a soap. it? So it is a soap. You know, so you 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 do see great stuff and you do see work which is maybe not so great. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean But look- that's okay. Yeah, that's that's okay. You know, like Dallas, Dallas had its spin-off, Knots Landing, Yellowstone's got its spin-off. These shows kind of exist in this giant universe and the characters might cross over. Um, and sometimes the script writers 
do something <laughs> that doesn't work, but quite often they'll realise their mistake in a soap and you can kill them off or if you've killed them off and you need to bring them back, you can bring them back from the dead. You have a lot of scope when you're making a soap uh, to keep giving the material that resonates with the fans. That's one of the things I love about the genre. Yeah, and I think that's what's got me in too. It's those those edgy, almost unbelievable scenes. Yeah. But then then following it can be something really powerful and quite serious. Yeah. And it's that that mix of um those sort of different worlds and it just you know, it just gels. And it certainly found a big, big global audience. Yeah. Okay, so that's Yellowstone. Look, let's get into programming notes. I think we've got a few things to unload this week. Um I talked about Duran Duran either last week or the week before. I've got a couple of other music things. Um, the main one I'm interested in is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductions ceremony. This is this is always a great show. It's not always shown in Australia, or if it is, it's hard hard to track it down. But it's an HBO program this year it was on i'm thinking about a week ago maybe two weeks it's going to be on foxtel on saturday december 10 yep it's a pretty weird time 9 20 p.m now this is a three-hour show so it ain't gonna finish till about half past 12 yeah so it's gonna take a bit of stamina but it will be on foxtel on demand i guess after that Maybe yep. before, sometimes things turn up first on Foxtel On Demand. But the people inducted this year are Tina Turner, Carol King, The Go-Go's, uh, Jay-Z, Foo Fighters, and Todd Rundgren. So there's wow. always a good good mix across the genres. Yeah. But the one thing that did catch my eye, I did see that Carly Simon was inducted, but she isn't at the ceremony. And I thought, mm, that's intriguing. So I looked it up. She had two sisters, two older sisters, who both died just before this ceremony, um, and they died within a day of each other. So obviously she was in a period of mourning, so yeah. she didn't attend. So so that's why she won't be there. But they've got some other people singing her material, and that's one of the big attractions for me. It's not always just the performers but it's people doing um, their interpretations yes. of these artists' songs, and they're yeah. always great artists as well. So, look, I'm really looking forward to that. Now, coming up, I think it's next week, uh, Disney Plus have Elton John's, I think it's his final US concert ever. Oh, really? Yeah, and they're putting that on. I think it's on a Monday afternoon here, and they're going to show it live. I'm guessing it'll stay on demand after that. I assume, yeah. But but the bigger thing is if watching it live is a bit of a bigger buzz than watching a recorded concert, I think. Gotcha, right. So so I'll certainly be dipping into that on yeah. um on the Monday afternoon. I thought you might be saying next week on Disney Plus, Tuesday, in fact, the new drama series Welcome to Chippendales, starring Australia's Murray Bartlett. Now, Channel 7 okay. recently had the documentary, I think it was called The Rise and Fall of Chippendales, the great American strip troupe um, and all the shady dealings that were going on behind the scenes. Anyway, they've made a drama of it, uh, Disney Plus, so I'll be checking that out next Tuesday. Okay, now you've got some things to look out for too, right? 
Yeah, also next week, Wednesday on Netflix. I'm pretty excited about this. <laughs> Wednesday. This is the Tim Burton's Adams Family series with Wednesday as a teenager and wow. um, Catherine Zeta-Jones playing Morticia, <laughs> directed by Tim Burton. Oh, my God, I can't wait. So Wednesday, next Wednesday on Netflix. And um, also we should give a bit of a shout-out to the kids. Um, I'm noticing on ABC Kids they've just launched Reef School, which is a new little cartoon okay. series they do about animals uh, who live on the Great Barrier Reef. Uh, and some of these sea creatures are voiced by people like Tony Armstrong and Jack Charles, the late, great Jack Charles. So uh, I think that's a great new concept for kids TV because it's still a very Australian thing uh, to be teaching kids about our fantastic Great Barrier Reef. And also the Burumbi Kids, which is uh, premiering on NITV on Friday. So this is kind of like a series for teenagers. Another one uh, filmed out in the Northern Territory uh, with a white kid and a black kid uh, who become friends and then a third kid comes into their group. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I'm not really the age group, but I think it's going to be a, a another great show for teenagers, a premiering Burumbi Kids Friday on NITV. Good stuff. All right. Is that, that it for you then? Are we? Well, I also wonder, do, do you think we you need got... to have a look at Tulsa King on Prime with Sylvester Stallone? He's, he's doing a TV series. Mm, have we got to go there? <laughs> well, maybe we do. I mean, you know, all these people are um, uh, are sort of um, turning out, you know, big movie Kevin career. Kevin Costner's back. Big movie Sylvester star. Sylvester Stallone's back now. He probably deserves a, at least a look in to check it out. Yeah, yeah. So I think yeah. that's on Prime Video now, so it's on our list of things to maybe get to. Okay, so a quick recap. We sort of both think uh, the roast of Paul Hogan is definitely worth investigating on 7, and we're both into the English um, next week we'll delve back into the crown. I finished the Serpent Queen, liked it a lot, and I've discovered Yellowstone. There you go. Yeah, fantastic. Great, Andrew. Look, um, you can read Andrew's Media Week column every Friday. It's published at mediaweek.com.au and in the Media Week Morning Report. Um, thoughts about this week's column yet? It's, it's all Aussie comedy. So I'll talk about Catherine Kim okay. Hoags and uh, another Australian comic genius we haven't had time to mention, Nick Giannopoulos. So that'll be in my Media Week story tomorrow. Okay. Well, fantastic. All right. Always great catching up with you, Andrew. Thank you. Um, like or follow this podcast on your favourite podcast platform, and we'll be back again next week. Thanks, James. <laughs>